fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science technology and makes it a reality. We do that. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Dan, I'm I'm so excited to be here. I, I don't know if this excitement is real or if it's being generated by your voice. I don't know. I can't tell. I will tell you that if I were to pull anything like that, I would give you an advance notice, much like they did in the movie. Uh, we, would just, we, we wouldn't speak for two weeks because that would be very awkward. A lot of angry feelings towards each other. But we're going to get more into that in a second. got to introduce our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from this week? You know, Dan, I'm here in a cutting-edge primate lab, and they seem to have discovered a new way to control the minds of humans and other primates. We're going to dive right into this because I'm excited to talk about this movie. It's called Love Potion Number no. 9. I believe this is Sandra Bullock's first movie, although I could be wrong on there. Uh, but like, Dan, and you mentioned this before, this is derivative of the song Love Potion Number no. 9. How much does this movie hold up to the song's narrative? Well, I think it holds up very well. And I will say, the choice of music throughout this movie, I very rarely notice that. I'm like kind of a very easygoing movie, easygoing movie watcher. I love the music selections for all the scenes. And I do have to say, I, I very rarely get to do this, Dan, and I can't wait. I'm not going to save it for errors and, and additions. This is probably her third movie because I was fascinated that I'd missed a Sandra Bullock movie. I'm a huge Sandra Bullock fan. I looked it up, and if my memory serves me, it's number three. <laughs> wow. All right, got a lot of numbers to keep track of here because it's Love Potion number nine. It's Sandra Bullock's third movie. And we're actually talking about Love Potion number eight because that's what the entire movie is based on. It's Love Potion number eight. Um, now, right, right off the beginning here, guys, how did you think the science held up here? Because, you know, we're all living in quarantine. we got lots of voice-only stuff going on, even though we do do a lot of video calls. So I'm curious, Ben, I'm going to ask you first, how did you think the science held up here? Well, I mean, what they talk about in terms of how the potion works makes a decent amount of sense. Uh, you can certainly affect your vocal cords with different substances. We can see this I mean, most obviously when you uh, say breathe helium, where your your voice changes from the different <laughs> vibrations uh, from inhaling the helium. But th certainly uh, there's no reason a liquid couldn't affect your vocal cords as well. It's all kind of, you know, it's kind of in the same neighborhood. Obviously, you don't drink through your vocal cords. It's the wrong pipe. But... Uh, <laughs> It works. <laughs> a lot of information there, Ben. I love it. Yeah. I got to tell you, though, with helium, though, it kind of works the same way because when your voice gets higher, you got some people who are on the floor laughing. That's me. And you got other people who want to kick the crap out of them. So <laughs> helium does kind of work in that same way. Maybe that is the key to this. Yeah. And maybe it's not the liquid itself. Maybe it's some gas that the uh, liquid is off gassing as you're drinking it. And that's going, you're breathing that. And that's uh, what's affecting your vocal cords. I will say one thing, Dan, you had alluded to this, right? We're in a world right now, as we're filming this, um, where we're all isolated. We're all interacting largely through Zoom and other, you know, medium where the sound is mediated by digital technology. And one of the key things about this was it was actually micro changes to the frequency and structure of the voice. These were not large changes. And I'd be very concerned 
if you wanted this to work, that it would not work over the digital media we're using. It is well known by our music department here at UCI that Zoom does not have the fidelity needed to really study music across and remotely. They had to get special software to preserve all the subtle harmonics. So it would be uh, interesting modern day, you know, 2021 experiment to see if this would actually work across Zoom. You know, I love that because there's a, there's a couple. Th- th- first of all, that's great. I would love to understand that too. There's a lot of side experiments. Once we solve Love Potion number eight, which I, I promise we're going to do by the end of this episode, there are a lot of really fun side experiments. And the other one is this movie is strictly heterosexual relationships, right? It's men going after women, women going after men, and using their voices to manipulate their um, their feelings going through their ear. I think this would be a really fun experiment to ponder the different effects on the entire sexual strata, the entire LGBTQ st- sexual strata, because I think that while that's a little bit advanced, you got a lot of control experiments there, I think it would be really interesting to see how this would affect on same-sex couples, because as we know, the way the potion works is once you take it, you become fascinating to the opposite sex and you become the the object of hate for the same sex. So how would that? I think that's a really interesting question. So for me, Dan, I think what it goes to is uh, not quite fully developed scientific understanding of the process at the time. Because they were focused in a heterosexual world, they assumed it had to do with Um, You make the opposite sex attracted to you and the same sex mad at you. I suspect that what it's simply doing is augmenting the part of your brain that is attracted to people and augmenting the part of your brain that is jealous of people. Mm. So whatever your personal orientation is, this potion would impact by augmenting either your excitement and attraction or your jealousy. So whatever your orientation is towards the person speaking gets enhanced. And so I, obviously you'd want to do the research, but I think this particular potion would work in that very simple and straightforward way on the brain. One thing that I thought of that then is with a person who's attracted to any person, does that make them hate everybody or want to love everybody? Like, which, which, which oh, is more really powerful, the, the jealousy or the attraction? You know, Ben, I suspect that's where it comes into your personal view of that individual. Because even when you're in the spectrum and you like, say, both men and women, you don't like all men and women equally. Um, it's particular men and women you're attracted to. And so I think there you would see the potion be just selective, as you said, by for that particular Im- person, which is more powerful in your brain, the attraction to that person or the jealousy of that person. So I feel it's a brain enhancer more than anything else. Well, I'm going to go to music again, guys. As the Beatles famously said, all you need is love. So I like what you're saying there, Dennett. And I think that that's probably the way to go. I'm hoping that once we solve this and we give it to the world, that it'll promote more love than jealousy because while they are funny parts of the movie, it's pretty scary to see some of the anger that's that's generated by, by this potion. But we got to talk about let's talk about how this this actually works i'm gonna go through it really quickly and let's let's kind of paint in the details with you guys individually now this is a chemical concoction that the main character gets from um from uh i don't know if she's a gypsy or she's a psychic she has lots of potions she's definitely an alchemist of some kind but she describes it as making everything you say sound fascinating to the opposite sex it affects your vocal cords uh and as they science we find out scientifically it changes the wave pattern and it affects the nerves in your ears 
Uh, it's a salt. Uh, it's a you know it's mood altering. It only lasts about four hours. But that is what these two scientists. One of the scientists gets a hold of this and really kind of reverse engineers it to find out how it works. Uh, I love this, and I'm curious from a physics standpoint. We're talking about sound here, Denon. How would this really kind of work? Is does it does it hold up from with the movie's explanation? I, I like most of it. I, I really do. Uh, I do. Um, like the switch because pheromones are, you know, generally what people like to put into love potions. A word I have trouble pronouncing as I just demonstrated. I can pronounce right. sound much easier, so I like that as a source. I can't. I can't wait till you actually invent pheromones because we got to get them into. <laughs> right. You talk about them too much to not to not invent them. Um, I do. Uh, I like. I, I get a little confused in the movie about the four-hour effect thing. And I, I really mm -hmm. think, as I reflect on the movie, it's a four-hour effect mostly um, I, I, like a four-hour dosage for you when you spray seems to be part of it. That I understand because, as Ben said, if it's a liquid and some of the gas is evaporating with it, it's clearly going to wear off on your vocal cords. I, I'm not sure why there is a four-hour effect on the person listening. They do use that in the movie, but there are times where it seems like you don't really need the full four hours. So I... Uh, that one, why there would be a particular time effect in the brain of the person hearing it, I'm less sure of. I do like this idea of sound frequencies that are slightly different. As I said, accentuating or impacting the part of the brain that controls attraction. It makes it, it, makes it very um, electrochemical once the sound hits your ear. It's clearly a big electrochemical input to the brain. So I like all of that. I have some concerns about dosage. We can talk about that later. Um, but I think the basic premise, pretty sound. Well, I gotta, before we hand it to Benix, I'm curious what you think. Uh, in the receiver, I would imagine that the four-hour effect has to do with maybe the number of neurotransmitters or neurochemicals that are um, kind of creating this feeling in them, the, the mood-altering chemicals. And maybe it takes four hours for them to be flushed from the brain. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? That sounds plausible. Uh, it's an interesting thing because then I'd also wonder, like, what if it's, you know, hour three, minute 59 and somebody talks to you with having taken the potion, uh, <laughs> are you then attracted for, for four hours from that? I would assume you'd have to be attracted for four hours from that point, not four hours from the initial consumption. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we get to see that kind of evidence in the, uh, in the film. <laughs> no, so it could work for eight hours then, theoretically. There's an interview feature when the boyfriend, the evil guy, takes it and controls Sandra Bullock. He uses the phone and calls her every four hours. Yeah. And that, so that true. suggests that phone has very high fidelity in its sound transmission. Yeah. So you talked about Zoom and the fidelity of, uh, of audio quality. Phones are notoriously uh, very filtery of all sorts of uh, audio uh, wavelengths because... Phones really only transmit exactly what you need uh, to understand a conversation and nothing more. Uh, and so it seems very unlikely that this kind of stuff could get through a phone. Hmm. 
That's interesting. I mean, that does raise a really because this is frequency based, right? I mean, from what I understand, yes. this is creating micro changes in your vocal wave, your audio, the sound pattern, and that's affecting very specific hairs in your ears, which then transmit a signal to your brain. Which I'm pretty sure that's the worst way that sound has ever been explained in the history of of, of explanations. But that would indicate that there are subtle differences, subtle frequencies that are being cut off when you don't have these high fidelity sound recordings when you are recording over a cell phone or zoom or whatever so uh, that that i think may have been a goof in the movie from the way you're explaining it to me absolutely it's also what they're describing is just how ears work so it's it's kind of funny that they talk about this technology you know going through the micro hairs and all this and it's like that's just how your ears work <laughs> there's nothing special to that part yeah i think the interesting trick is normally it goes into the auditory part of your brain and I wonder how you would, you know, actually trick the brain into taking an audio input and triggering the attraction and jealousy centers, as we've been discussing. So getting the brain to go crosswired a little bit might be what these micro frequencies are really doing. Absolutely. But I think also just, you know, hearing voice, you know, a voice can make you attracted to somebody, whether it's the quality of the voice itself or what they're saying. Um, in this case, obviously, it must be the quality because they clearly demonstrate in their experiments that it does not matter what you say at all. So, <laughs> no, that's true. And, that and if really we go true. back to this, this does bring me to the dosage concern, Dan, right? There is this challenge that if you're just manipulating frequency, um, why does it matter how much you dilute it? All right. Unless... Yeah, no, I just get stuck. The, the dilution is is maybe to make more of it, save it, not damage your vocal cords. Um, it does lead to very, very funny moments in the movie when you overdose. Um, but overdosage really seems to be uh, fear, fear not, pheromone thing. <laughs> I knew I wouldn't get it out. I tried. A fair gnome. Yeah. They, they, the best referees in the world are fair gnomes. Uh, those are not, we're talking about fair moans, uh, which are much funnier. Well, I, it is the best scenes in the movie because, first of all, it's incredibly irresponsible for this fortune teller to give the, the co highly concentrated potions. She should have just given the guy exactly what he needed in the proper concentration because, you know, we see the cat. You know how much I love animals. Cats aren't my favorite, but I, I really feel bad when this cat licks this thing out of the ground and then it just goes back inside and all of these other stray cats come into the apartment and this poor male cat is sitting on top of the bookshelf just you know who knows what's going to happen there um and and it does raise a question about dosage why i'm guessing it must burn out your vocal cords i, I don't know that's a good question yeah i mean it could just be that the more you take the more of these micro tremors you get just through the nature of how this gas works, you know, we see dosage with, you know, like I said before, with the helium ingestion, you know, the more helium you ingest, the higher your voice, you know, th this gas that's affecting your vocal cords, it could certainly affect more or less of the muscles in your vocal cords uh, at a concentration level up to a point, of course. And then if you have more of these micro tremors, because more of your vocal cord muscle is affected, maybe you get more of the tremors and then that just affects people and it, you go from this you know being pleasant to 
oh man, this person's just too beautiful. And that's where the anger comes from. You know, Ben, <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate kind of that, that, that comment there because I, I wasn't thinking of it quite that way. If you think about sound, it's a fairly low frequency wave. And if I think of the micro tremors as being sort of put on top of that, um, I could have a very low density or very high density of these individual peaks. I was thinking of it as a, a set frequency on top of the low frequency, so the density was just fixed. But if you really think about it as a little um, short pulse, like a mm -hmm. micro pulse, and then it's how many micro pulses you get, maybe that is controlled by how concentrated the potion is. Um, connecting, you know how you get your vocal cords to make more pulses or less pulses is a little more tricky from a sound physics point of view, but the structure of the sound wave could allow you to do that. Well, and one of the things, you know, you mentioned this to me before, Denon, is, you know, with this, it is odd that the constant, the dosage does matter um, for the, for the reasons you guys were mentioning, but with pheromones, the, the dosage certainly would matter. I mean, the more pheromones I imagine, I mean, I'm not a biologist, although I do play one on the show sometimes, I imagine with the more pheromones that are released, the at least the, the more uh, the more intense the response from the animal smelling the pheromones. I think that's right. Yeah, to some degree. Also, with the more pheromones you're giving off, the more likely, uh, you know, the pheromone scent will expand in a volumetric way. So it's, it's kind of goes back to that square cube law we've talked about in previous episodes where the more concentrated your uh, your pheromones, the denser those pheromones are and the more, uh, more receivers you'll be affecting uh, because you'll have a higher density of that, that smell. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, if we're going back to the potion for a second, yeah, I, I, th I think we have to talk about some biological differences here because I don't know how this potion affects both men and women exactly the same. You know, I think we, we, we talked before about an Adam's apple and the structure of the ears. Is there a way to, that these would have these biological structures would have any effect on the potion or the potion would have any effect on these structures? What do you think, Dennis? So this is where I really think my theory of the key element is the microstructures triggering um, the ear to connect to a particular part of the brain. And what it's doing is less about making sounds um, that are attractive or not. So, so it's almost independent of the biology of the user, right? The potion doesn't care whether you're a man or a woman or, or whoever using it. Whatever your vocal structure, it, it, it is just good enough to make micro tremors, whatever those might be. And then those are designed to excite the attraction and jealousy parts of the receiver, whoever they are. And the movie just happens to deal, as we said at the beginning, with these heterosexual relationships. So it looks like it's women are attracting men and there's a gender thing here when it's really just all about the attractive focus of the receiver. And I think that kind of solves the biology problem of how it works when you spray it in your throat. Okay, that makes sense. You know, and... and one of the things that I love about this, I did I did some research, guys, so I've got a couple of really fun things for you, and I want to get your take on this, because there's actually some research that has been done, uh, and this is all heterosexual, we talked about this before, but, you know, what, and I'm going to post, post these on the website, but here's a couple of fun things. When men are flirting with a beautiful woman, his voice will actually get quantifiably deeper, but 
He will talk in a more sing-songy fashion. And what scientists believe is that women traditionally are, are affected. Maybe this is hardwired into the evolution part of this, but women are, are attracted to the deeper voice because it denotes masculinity, at least from an evolutionary standpoint. But the sing-songy nature of it says, while I am incredibly masculine, I am not a threat. You know, kind of like when my dogs play fight and they kind of snort at each other. They're saying like, I'm going to fight you, but I'm not really. We're still friends. What do you guys think about that? There, I, there's a lot of science behind this. So I think that's really cool, Dan. And I just have to, I, I, I can't resist. I have to give a shout out to my daughter who did a wonderful paper when she was in college on how women change their voice in pitch and timber. And she used the Big Bang Theory show to study this in different situations. So I think there, there's definitely some possible biology here. But she also um, showed a lot of the sociology and the cultural developments that go into this um, and had the... I just have to say, had so much fun presenting it at a conference right next to a Comic-Con, a place we could have been doing a panel on this. So it all comes together, like father, like daughter. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. Um, Because, first of all, it's great that she did that. But but also, you know, when we're looking at this, this would also be the other side of that coin, which is, you know, when we, when in the wild, right, like when men... Are, when, when you have an alpha male inside of a traditional group, when they hear the deep voice of another male, they do get angry. And so I don't know if this is kind of evolution and biology inf- informing the movie or the movie is kind of informing biology. It's kind of an interesting take on that. Yeah, it's an interesting back and forth. Yeah. Um, so here's one other thing on this is, you know, pitch modulation actually also happened when women were talking to men and there's this. There's also a belief that in the scientific study, women's voices got deeper as well, and there was there wasn't really any quantifiable absolute conclusion to that. But the prevailing wisdom was that um, women are also trying to sound husky, masculine, and of, as a good mate. Uh, I think all that stuff's kind of crazy. But it was interesting to me that women also had some of the same characteristics when they were flirting with a man. I don't know what you think about that. Ben, I'm going to talk to you first. What do you think about, about uh, women with husky voices? Is it uh, something that you would want to see? You know, Dan, I think it's the case that, at least for me, you know, I'm more concerned with the content of the voice than the quality of the voice. But there's certainly something to the idea that people are attracted to voices in different ways. And we certainly appreciate, say, singers with different voices more or less than uh, others. You know, I, I, you know, I maybe prefer prefer, say, like high-pitched high singers versus low-pitched singers. You know, I like where you went with that, Ben, particularly with the singers, because it's really interesting how the quality of a singing voice really matters uh, to my reaction to it. Um, and definitely, you know, sound, I, I think we underrate how sound and smell and sense of smell and the odors really are such a part of the world we experience and we associate with things that we find attractive or unattractive. I think that that's really true. And, you know, what I like about that, Denon, is because it kind of goes into what my theory of this movie is. And it's not so much the power of the technology or or the actual potion itself. But really, what we're seeing here is we're seeing a couple of people who don't have a, aren't really good socially. And they found something that has enhanced their ability to be social and to kind of attract um, their ideal mate. And what they found is as they're able to affect these changes on these people, they're really they're experiencing power, unbridled power. And I think that with that power becomes 
it show they, they develop a lot of confidence. And isn't it true that confidence is the ultimate aphrodisiac? I feel like this is really part of what's going on here is they're seeing a little bit of success with the formula, but as it's as they're gaining confidence, they're actually becoming genuinely attractive to people uh, instead of having to use this chemical manipulation. What do you think about that, Denon? Oh, I definitely agree that the confidence they build is a key part of it. And let's face it, the main character, he does make the statement that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and admits to getting corrupted um, partway through the movie and having to go through a dark low point to realize the problem and gain wisdom. Um, and he definitely, I think, moves to a place of confidence is what allows him to take the roles he does. And I think the same for Sandra Bullock's character. It, it is about just developing that sense of self-confidence. Um, though I do love listening to her talk about biochemistry. I'm with Ben. <laughs> the content does matter, and that biochemistry really is cool. Well, you guys say the content matters, but I don't know if you've ever heard a really annoying voice. I'm guessing, no matter what they were saying, that would probably, uh, you wouldn't want to listen to them very often, I'm guessing. Well, I, I will agree that there, uh, to, to make another reference to Friends, there are some uh, characters with annoying voices that it probably wouldn't matter what they're saying, that that voice would be annoying. But that yeah. was on purpose by extreme levels. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Um, well, I think, you know, I think in some ways we've really solved Love Potion number eight. I'm saying it's more confidence, but I think there are ways that we can do this. Um, but we've arrived to our errors, additions, and omissions section. It's just things we want to talk about, uh, but we're not going to. But I think we are going to in this case. Danny, did you have anything that we missed on Love Potion number nine? Well, I, I have to admit, I just threw my error at the beginning. I was amazed. I can't believe I had missed the Sandra Bullock movie. Like I said, I really just... I love the range of her movies, so I looked it up, and I was shocked to see the rate at which she was putting out movies from about this point to, I don't know, like 2009. It was like a movie or two a year. Um, there are a lot more Sandra Bullock movies out there that I have to catch up on. You know, it's funny. She was very prolific. I've got a friend, another episode that did Fascinating Nouns uh, with Yinzarella. She is fascinated with Nicolas Cage, and he has almost the same cinematic output as Sandra Bullock did during this time period. Um, you guys have very similar tastes, uh, although they are kind of equal and opposite. Um, ben, did we miss anything that you want to mention? You know, for me, uh, one thing I, I, you know, working in a biomedical field nowadays, you know, I really got kind of upset with the lack of ethical standards that uh, these two showed in their experimentation. First, uh, using the substance on these uh, these uh, chimpanzees uh, without really doing anything. And the, they, they think they may have killed it, and they didn't seem too affected by that, which really bothered me, like just killing a chimp. That, like, that's not cool. Uh, no, it's not cool. I'm not laughing because it's cool, but it's funny that you were concerned. And then just using this to obtain all sorts of wealth and goods uh, throughout the movie. Like, it's just, it's not a very ethical thing to do. No, I agree with you that it's not ethical. But Ben, this is just us, just the three of us here, okay? Uh, would you have used this potion on yourself once you realized what it was capable of? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think I'd be pretty uncomfortable using something like this. I think you'd get very comfortable pretty quickly using something like this. Uh, I don't know about that, but I'll, 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 we'll hold it there. I'm going to let you have your integrity. Dan, I, I'll give you my honest answer on that. I would have been sorely tempted until the scene of the poor woman running through the streets of the city with the mob chasing her. <laughs> that was enough to make me go, no, I'm yeah. good. I don't need this. 
That is true. You could get a lot of stalkers very quickly. Well, I am. I have absolutely no reservations telling the two of you that I would abuse this absolutely immediately. Um, maybe even on the coworker as well, Sandra Bullock. She was pretty cute. So um, I would have amused, abused it immediately. Uh, I've got no problem saying that at all. But I got a couple of really fun things from this. Number one, there's an ant farm in the back room, in the background of Sandra Bullock's apartment. I love that. It's an old-fashioned uh, Uncle Milton ant farm. <laughs> I just I loved seeing it there. We also see, I didn't know these existed until recently, this tells you how naive I am, but we see an old school booty call where um, where Sandra Bullock gets a phone call <laughs> late at night asking her if she's up and then the dude pops over. Uh, I never saw, I didn't know that those actually existed before. Um, there's also mention of a panty raid law. I thought this was something that I just joked about at um, summer camp. I didn't know that that actually existed um, in the movie. But if we've missed anything or you want to take issue with anything that I've said, um, um, you can get in touch with the show. We are on Twitter at FGGBTPod. We're on Facebook at FGGBT. But you can get in touch with us individually. Dennett, where can people find you? Well, Dan, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just flip my name. It's at Den and Michael. And then on Facebook, stick in the prof. It's at Prof Den and Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at BSeepser. How do you spell that? B S I E P S E R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind, and on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn. Now, if by chance you come across the formula for an honest-to-goodness love potion, something with the true power to manipulate a person's feelings dramatically and permanently, be very responsible with it. Twisting people's minds to your will is a space best reserved for supervillains. And of course, you want to be a superhero. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, if you like this show, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? The good news is we're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now Spotify. If you're not already on those platforms, don't worry. We've made it very easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com, where you will find links to everything you're looking for. All the subscribe buttons at the bottom of the page. Links to our social media are right there. And if you go to the top of the page, you'll see a little button that says episodes click on that and go to your favorite episode there you can find the show in its entirety you can find the links that we talked about the in real life examples that we brought to you including videos and of course we've got each episode has its own youtube video you can watch it there if you prefer and if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening